This was it, the promised land, the end of my outreach. I remember sitting in a small group back home in Bend, Oregon a year earlier with a friend of mine. We were looking through a large coffee table book of Israel, and as we thumbed through the pages and the images, I said, in 2006, I'll be in Israel. My friend laughed, and I said, I'm serious. You can come with me, or you can just stay here. When I said those words, I haven't even applied for the school with YWAM yet. I didn't even know what YWAM was. Yet, a year later, in 2006, I was in Israel. I'm Jeff Matero, and you're listening to At The Table. You know, I believe when we gather and share stories of what God has done in our lives, it feeds our spirit and encourages our faith. So sit, listen, and enjoy as I speak with Christians from around the world as they tell stories about God and the amazing things He's done. To get notified as soon as a new episode is released, please click the subscribe button. We'd also love to hear from you. So leave us a review on whatever podcast listening app you use. And without any further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to At The Table. Welcome everybody from across the world. We're so glad you joined us here for the smooth, silky sounds of At The Table. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I don't know why I keep saying that. Oh, it's me, the Lord, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Yeah, so thank you for joining us for a continual uh, continuation of Because Jesus, the book that I continually reminded you that I've read or written, and I'm reading. I've read it. I've read it so many freaking times. Oh, man, when you write a book and you have to read it over and over and over and over again. Oh, my goodness gracious. Anyway. Here we are. We're getting down to it. Almost the end of the book. I only have um, one, two, two more chapitas. Yeah, very little left. Very little left. I'm excited. So here we go. We are now in, um, we just got done. Last episode was Faith Week. That was a long one. That was an hour and a half. Uh, Long, long story, but it was an incredible time. Um, Just thinking about Michael and that whole thing. Anyway, this is chapter seven at the table. So many things happened over our three months on outreach, far too many for this book. I took some time and asked the Lord which stories I should include. The ones you are going to hear are the ones I felt he wanted me to add. They had the most impact on me. They aren't all massive revelations of God, nor are they about hundreds of people getting saved. They are the stories that spoke most to me about his character and the nature of God. And in these experiences with him, he showed me deep revelation and intimacy. He showed me how he cares about the small, subtle, everyday things in our lives. Our outreach team was only six people strong, three ladies and three men. Jen, Crispy, and Josie, Hans, Justin, and yours truly. We loved that we only had six people. Most of the teams had eight or more. And our team went to the Middle East as well as other countries. Starting in Hong Kong, we continued on to Jaipur, India, Muscat, Oman, Amman, Jordan, Cairo, Egypt, and finally, Jerusalem, Israel. Hong Kong. Soap. Before I left for New Zealand, a friend of mine told me about her and her husband's first couple days of outreach. They were some of the first YWAMers aboard the Anastasis, which is a ship bought during the beginnings of YWAM. After some time, her husband's underwear had started to wear out, and they prayed for some new undies. 
The next day, the husband went to serve in a small town and he was put to work in a factory that made underwear. No joke. She told me that no matter what happened, to always trust God for what I needed, no matter how insignificant it might seem. I wish I'd remembered lessons like this now. It's easily to be forgotten, right? My outreach had just started and I was going to travel around the world for the next three months with five other people I'd only known for three months. Our first stop was Hong Kong. This was the first place I'd wanted to go before I'd left even Oregon. And now I was going. The night we arrived in Hong Kong, I'd realized I'd forgotten to buy soap and shampoo. And I'd mentioned it to Hans and Justin, and it turned out Justin had also forgotten to get the same items. We quickly dismissed the thought because... We were in Hong Kong and soap seemed like a pointless thing to worry about. Plus, we knew there would be an opportunity to buy stuff we needed the next day. It's not like our team was in the Amazon jungle. Our first day was a bit chaotic. We had read about the transit system from previous year's outreach report, and we would thought we were prepared, but reading about a place and actually being there are two different things. Needless to say, we were a little late for our first day of work because the Hong Kong transit system was chaos. On our second day of outreach, we were going to be working at a home for developmentally disabled adults, kids, and orphans. Josie, Jen, and Crispy went off to work with the residents while Han, Justin, and I were put to work organizing a supply room. The elderly woman who managed the facility showed us to the room. She opened the door and turned around and said, if you guys need anything, feel free to take what you need. The supply room was full of hygiene products, toothbrushes, toothpaste, mouthwash, soap, and shampoo. They were such meaningless things, soap and shampoo, but here we were organizing a room full of the stuff we needed. We laughed and thanked the Lord, and he showed us that he knew even the smallest of things, and he took care of it. Jaipur, India, an elephant for my birthday. During my 18 days in India, we did a lot of things I could write about as worthy of faith stories. But one specific story stands out to me because the request I made was such a meaningless, non-essential one that to me, it really didn't warrant answering. The day was April 17th, 2006, my birthday. I should note too that this should be a national holiday, right? like April 17th, national holiday. And and feel free to shower me with gifts on that day if you remember. Okay, April 17th is my birthday. While on our outreach, I asked for some specific things to take place, a practice I'd borrowed from my faith week. One of those was I'd wanted to ride an elephant in India. And to be honest, I don't think I even said this request out loud, although I could have. I really didn't expect much to happen. We were on outreach, and I was in flippin' India. It's a pretty rad gift in itself. Our day started off with fellowship and worship at our home. Hans led worship and I spoke on Caleb and the spies in the promised land. I loved this story and still do as it plays a very specific role in my life to this day. And it was a complete joy that I was able to encourage my brothers and sisters in India on my birthday. We had had some preparations we had to do for our next two days of ministry. Shortly after we began making those preparations, the team brought me these homemade coupons. They were small little things like one free foot rub because pedicures for dudes are legit, okay? One free cup of coffee and a free ice cream. This was back when ice cream didn't make me wickedly sick, by the way. What got me was our team took the time to make these. 
They put an effort into thinking about what I might like. That was way more of a blessing than the gifts themselves, except for one. My final coupon was in a small homemade envelope. I opened it up and I was knocked speechless. I honestly wasn't sure how to respond. I just stared at this coupon for a few minutes. It was a coupon for a free elephant ride. That's right. I rode an elephant on my birthday in India. However awesome you think it is to ride an elephant on your birthday in India, go ahead and times that by at least 1,000. It was awesome. Riding an elephant has always been something I'd wanted to do. I wanted to be on outreach with a team that would put me in India because I wanted to ride an elephant. The Lord put me on this team for many reasons, but at that moment, I felt as if the Lord was saying, happy birthday, son. India was a mix of emotions and a lot of running to the bathroom. Lots of highs and an equal amount of lows. And even though a gift I had received was something small like riding an elephant, I experienced the gentle, non-specific love God has for us. He said, you may think this is a small desire in the grand scheme of your life, but because it's something you would love, I am giving it to you. Muscat Oman, Sailing Bling bling are the words I would use to describe Oman. It is a beautiful, lavish country with lots of money. We were blessed to be staying in a two-story home with a contact we had made in Muscat. We will call him Alan. And this just wasn't a two-story home. It was gorgeous. It was like a mansion. I can't even begin to describe how beautiful it was. So I won't. Just believe me when I say it was awesome. On the first day in Oman, we spent most of our time in prayer and worship. We took breaks here and there, and during one of those breaks, Josie and I were looking over a book at the history of Oman. We had come to a page that had photos of sailboats on it, and I said, you know, I'd never been sailing. I'd love to go. And Josie just looked at me and goes, hmm, really? And with no other reason than to keep talking about it, we kept looking through the book. About two minutes later, Jen came downstairs and said, Alan said, if we want, he'll take us out for a tour tonight, and tomorrow we can go sailing if anyone wants to go. Jen and I erupted in laughter. We had no way to explain what had just happened other than a good old saying, be careful what you wish for, especially when you have a mischievous, fun-loving God like ours. Our sailing adventure started off the next morning. Alan took us to the sailing club where we learned to rig and set out on one to two man Olympic sailboats. The air was hot and humid. The water just seemed hot. Once in the water, Justin, Crispy, and I set out one way while Josie, Jen, and Alan set out on the catamaran. I decided to sail to an old shipwreck that had sunk offshore, and when I'd reached it, I tried going through the two rusted pillars sticking out of the water. Bad idea. You know the sound that Canvas makes in movies when someone stabs the sail and cuts their way down onto the ship deck like Errol Flynn, right? Well, as it happened, that same sound is the sound I heard when the pillar tore to the top of my sail. I had crippled my vessel. I was stuck at sea. Luckily, Alan was nearby and towed me back to shore. Yet again, I sat there in awe of how intentional God was with us. We simply had a desire to enjoy the adventure of sailing, something so seemingly insignificant in the grand scheme of what we were doing. Yet, in knowing our desire, God arranged our day for us. Petra, the ancient city, not the 80s rock band. 
If you're a super Christian like me, joking, and you read your Bible every day for hours on end, joking, then you will know Petra as Edom in the Old Testament, home of the Edomites. This is the land in Numbers 20, where these pesky little buggers refuse to let the children of Israel pass. However, most people know Petra as the ancient city carved into the rock in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. This is one of those places that I'd always wanted to go since I was a kid, and I saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. First off, I honestly didn't even think it was real until my outreach started, and it was never a place I thought I'd see with my own eyes. We started at 7 in the morning to walk down this beautiful seek. You know, it's trendy travel speak for market. Also known as the entrance to Petra. The first building we came across was the treasury, a massive building hand-carved out of the Egyptian desert. We sat the next couple hours traipsing around the hills. It felt like we were in an Arabian movie, non-specific because I don't know any Arabian movies except Lawrence of Arabia, and we did go to the Wadi Rab, but that's another story for another time. Then we walked through the hills to the monastery. Justin and I found our way up to the top of the crown of the monastery where we could see for miles. In that moment, I knew that this was another gift from God. He'd placed me on this team for many reasons, but this was one of them. He wanted to bring me to a place, a place I'd always wanted to visit since I was a young boy. Jerusalem, Israel. Fingerprints. I'm going to just say before I start reading this, Israel was the best place I have ever traveled to in the entire world. I have never been in a place where I'd felt more at home. Like I felt I was home when I went to Israel. It was awesome. I I, I hope I get to experience it again in my life. Anyway, here it is. This was it, the promised land, the end of my outreach. I remember sitting in a small group back home in Bend, Oregon a year earlier with a friend of mine. We were looking through a large coffee table book of Israel, and as we thumbed through the pages and the images, I said, in 2006, I'll be in Israel. My friend laughed, and I said, I'm serious. You can come with me, or you can just stay here. When I said those words, I haven't even applied for the school with YWAM yet. I didn't even know what YWAM was. Yet, a year later, in 2006, I was in Israel. So many things happened here that, again, I can't cover them all in this book. I will say, though, the moment I arrived in Jerusalem, I felt as if I had come home. People were so friendly. The old city was so full of life. Arabs, Jews, and Christians filled every inch within its walls. I remember I was out and about one night looking to buy some t-shirts from one of the local vendors, and I walked into one shop and it was empty. I could hear people talking to the back, so I yelled, Hello? Seconds later, an Arab gentleman came out holding the ugliest hockey jersey I'd ever seen, and he headed right towards me, holding holding it up as if he wanted me to try it on. I started saying, no, 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 motioning with my hand to tell him that I didn't want it. But right behind this Arab gentleman came an older white gentleman. The white gentleman asked me to model it for him because his son was about my size and he wanted to see if he could, uh, if it, if it fits, so he could get it for his boy. And after modeling the jersey for this guy, we started talking. He was in Jerusalem with a high school youth group and wanted to expose them to other cultures, which I thought was awesome. Soon the Arab man brought the jersey in a bag and along with the guy's change. And the white gentleman realized he needed to get going. But before he left, he turned to me and said, Jeff, it was really nice to meet you. 
always remember that wherever you go, leave a fingerprint of your soul on every person you come in contact with. Then he walked away. It was as if this was the final message, the final lesson I was to learn on my outreach. We are the representatives of Jesus. Make sure that representation is one that leaves a positive mark on people's lives. London, England. I'm still here. Outreach had come to an end. Goodbyes had been said and the tears had been shed. Yep, that rhymes. I'm a writer. Some people were heading home while others stayed together to continue traveling. I was heading home. As I sat in the Tel Aviv airport, I thought I had come to the end of my great exploits for God. I thought that all the adventures I had been on were over. I had amazing experiences in Oregon, New Zealand, and across the world. My life living day by day with Jesus, completely trusting him, had come to an end. I was now going back to work, back to normal nine to five. It was an ominous feeling. That feeling still makes me sick 20 years later. My flight to London was long, but aren't all flights across the globe? We had been delayed and arrived in London late, and I was supposed to meet Crispy, one of my best buds from Faith Week and Outreach, and was certain she had left Heathrow thinking I'd missed her. I came to customs and the line was crazy long, and even though I know I shouldn't, I walked past everyone and cut into the line nearly to the front, and within minutes I was in England. Thankfully, Crispy was still there. She found out my flight had been delayed and waited. She was there visiting a friend from home who had just happened to be passing through London as well. But her friend was more into doing her own thing, so Crispy and I just sat around and looked at photos from our DTS. Crispy was supposed to fly home two days later, but that next morning she made the decision to head home. She went with me to the airport, and while I checked into my flight, she got her ticket changed. Standing there in Heathrow, I said my final goodbye to one of my best friends. After I got through customs and headed into the international lounge, that alone feeling came back. People were everywhere, but I felt so alone. I did the only thing I could think of. I went to get a cup of coffee. As I walked up to the ATM, I heard the Lord say, Don't get many money out. I want to buy your coffee today. I shrugged off the thought, thinking it was just my own brain talking to me. So I pulled out five pounds, the last of my money, and went and stand in line at Starbucks. I was the next one in line when a man and a woman walked up to me with a $5 voucher. The man said, We have to board our flight and we can only spend this here. We don't have much time. Get yourself something. He handed me the voucher and walked away. I was completely blown away. I was able to buy my coffee and bottled water for the woman behind me. I felt Jesus saying, Just because you're going home doesn't mean I'm not going with you. I'm still here. I'm always here. Your adventure is not over. To get notified as soon as a new episode is released, please click the subscribe button. We'd also love to hear from you. So leave us a review on whatever podcast listening app you use. 